I'm glad there are so many of you here this morning. I was kind of concerned that maybe some of us might have forgotten that the clocks would go forward or back or whatever it is, and that you guys might have arrived here an hour earlier. The worst thing for me, though, is that actually I've got a phone and an alarm, and all of them, they seem to change automatically now. So I don't actually know whether or not the time's actually changed forward or not. So I kind of, I'm always a bit like dubious about it in the morning. Um, but I do have my trusty watch, and that's the most important thing. I don't know, I don't know about you, but uh, I would say that at the moment, technology is changing at such a crazy rate. It's a changing world that we're living in, and I may be younger than some of you here today. I do accept that. But actually, I'm just as amazed as I'm sure many of you are about the changing world that we're living in, in terms of technology and how, uh, yeah, how much uh, technology we're getting at the moment. To think what this world was like even 10 or 15 years ago, I think it's crazy. I don't think it's, impossi I don't think it's impossible anymore for any of us to actually stay up to date with things like phones, for example, that, which there seems, to be, ooh, there seems to be new ones every single uh, week. It's crazy. And as well, a lot of my friends, they, they probably spend more time chatting with their friends over the phone than actually in person, which I think is crazy. Somehow, the ability to communicate with friends has somehow become so easy. It's become like instantaneous, and it's free. Um, and like I said, yeah, it's so easy that my friends, they yeah, talk more on the phone than in person. And you know what? Sometimes as a kid, I used to wish that maybe this is how we could talk to God. Maybe, actually, we could uh, be able to text him or phone him in the same way, and that he'd re reply. I grew up knowing about God, uh, my parents taught me about the Bible, and they taught me very simply that prayer is just talking with God. And I think it is. But how is it now that it's so easy to talk to people, it's so easy to talk to people on the phone or through any, all of these different media, but it seems even harder to talk to God? It seems like God is just, uh, or even chatting with God through prayer, is just something that maybe we were just reserved for something on Sunday, or maybe... Uh, it's crazy, actually. Non-Christians, a lot of non-Christians think that actually only uh, kind of the pastor or the vicar or very, really religious people can pray, which is crazy. Um, in fact, it reminds me of this song, which may be a little bit before my time, One of Us by Joan Osborne, which says this, What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way home, back up to heaven all alone, nobody calling on the phone, except for the Pope maybe in Rome. Now, as laughable as that is, I think there may be a slight element of truth in that. And I think we're all guilty of that to some extent, that actually from time to time, we don't look to God in prayer when we ought to be or when we really need to be. We've got a device that's so much better than a phone. It never runs out of battery, never loses signal. It sends messages instantaneously and always gets to the sender. And actually, that device, I'm sure you know, is prayer. So, looking back throughout biblical history, there are so many people that come to mind when we think about warriors of prayer. I mean, if I was to ask a few of you guys, I'm sure you could probably name so many of them. A couple that came to mind, or three that came to mind, David, for example, who was a man who was so, uh, such a man after God's own heart. He was so in tune with God through prayer that he knew exactly what God wanted. Daniel, who would put on his life on the line just for prayer, to, to talk with God because he didn't care about whether or not his life would be on the line for that. And even in the evening service, we've been talking about Nehemiah, who actually he put prayer as such an important part of both his lifestyle and his leadership. 
There are so many people we could go through, but undoubtedly, Jesus is the best example of someone who was beyond passionately prayerful. That actually, he prioritized prayer and showed us how to do as he did. I think uh, passionately prayerful is such a tongue twister, but I'll, I'll try and go with it. And as well, Luke is such an awesome gospel, which has this particular emphasis on prayer and how Jesus was uh, such a perfect man of God as well. But my first point I want us to be thinking about today is that when we pray, we should be seeking to grow in a relationship with Jesus. And I think that's most important. I think that's at the heart of what Christianity is, this relationship with God. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22, it says this, When Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. And you, and with you, I am well pleased. What an intimate relationship Jesus the Son and God the Father had together. And just as we heard earlier, and Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, the first thing he teaches us is starting off by saying, Our Father, Abba. I'm sure many of you uh, would refer to your father as Papa or Dad. We've put so much formality, I think, many of us, in, in prayer. And I think we've, there is all times we've all been guilty of this in, in some way or another, of praying in such a formal way that we've kind of actually forgotten how close this relationship with, with God can really be. As a kid, I mentioned earlier, I was taught how to pray. And I did pray from time to time, but it was mainly in the kids' groups um, at church or maybe just at the dinner table. But you see... Even as a teenager, for example, I, yeah, I did pray, but actually, clearly, I didn't enjoy time with God, because even though I did pray, it felt like more of a chore. It wasn't particularly enjoyable, especially times of extended prayer. It just felt a little bit kind of boring. In fact, even at university, I did start to pray more, and I did enjoy it, and at this point, I do, I do love prayer, just, just so you're aware. Um, but again, at university, I was very busy. I'm sure many of you can relate to me that actually with our busy schedules or throughout our life, we've had busy schedules, and as, busy, as Bill Heibel puts it, a lot of us can be too busy to pray or feel like that anyway. In the last five years, though, it's been a big transformation for me in my prayer life, and I'm still not perfect, but I think I definitely have a lot more of a yearning for more and more time with Jesus spent through prayer. Um, I mentioned at the start of the year when I came here that I did uh, part of what I did last year was this discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission. And one of the guys that I met whilst I was there in YWAM, um, uh, I spent a short amount of time with him, and he told me about a bit of his prayer life, how maybe in the mornings he would kind of, he used to rush around for about five minutes and just try and just kind of tick the box saying, oh yeah, okay, at least I'm doing something in the morning. He told me that one day he felt challenged. He felt God that told him directly. He said this, uh, God told him this, what do you think of our times together? And at that, it hit him. Every morning, God had been sitting there waiting for him, waiting for them to spend time together, to chat, to hear what was on his heart. But I think it's safe to say that all of us over the years have allowed ourselves to become rushed, to make time, to not make time for God, and to maybe prioritize other things. I know in the morning, you know, that's probably not the, usually the, the first thing that's been on my mind in the past. 
We heard last week about the story of Mary and Martha, how Martha was so preoccupied with doing all these things, rushing around, getting all the housework done, that she didn't make the space to just sit with Jesus and listen to him. Even in our group in Pathfinders, I was leading the youth last week, and I felt so guilty because actually in our group, we were so rushed that we didn't actually get to make time uh, and space to be with Jesus, to just be with him, even though that was the meaning of the session. That was the message of the session, and yet we didn't actually put it into practice. So I think with prayer, most importantly, we should be seeking to grow our relationship with Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not die, but have eternal life. If God loves us this much, to want a relationship with us, then do we not think that he would be absolutely desperate, craving to just be with us, to listen to our thoughts, what's on our mind? It seems crazy me even saying it, but I know I'm just as guilty about it in the past. But how are we meant to really be in a relationship with someone? How are we meant to grow in a relationship with someone if we barely ever talk to them? Or maybe if we just talk to them very briefly, like at the start of the day or you know, once a week. It's crazy. But I know I'm just as guilty um, at it. But the first point I want to think about is that we should be, most importantly, wanting to build relationship with Jesus. How can we be praying in seeking to grow in relationship with Jesus? Well, how can we grow in relationship with anyone? The other day, I was challenged by one of my really close friends. She lives a really long way away. And a few months ago, we used to be able to chat all the time, uh, really regularly. But now, not so much. We barely talk uh, much. And I asked her, why did we start to grow further apart? Why, because of our busy lifestyle, were we not chatting nearly as much? What was the solution? Well, she responded just by saying this. It's simple. Make the time. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's just that simple. I do think that we could be challenged today, though, in our praying. We could be seeking to grow in relationship with Jesus by finding a time throughout the day. Maybe you already do it. But for all of us, let's be intentional to prioritize time with Jesus, growing with him each day, if we're not already. The next point I want us to think about is when we pray, we should be seeking to glorify the king and be prepared to go uh, into battle over his kingdom? Are we being quick to praise him and thank him instead of just asking for things? Are we prepared to go on the front line for his kingdom, his power, and his glory? It's crazy how much of the Lord's Prayer is actually glorifying his name, thanking him, praising him for who he is and what he's done. Our Father in heaven, who, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. All of these things, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I think that's incredible, and actually so much of it is saying yours. I'm reminded of the teaspoon prayer, which I think we might talk about in the all age next, um, but you may have heard it before. We, we do it with our kids, but basically it's a great kind of structure and model of how simply to pray. First you start with thank you, then you go on to say sorry, and then you finish by saying please. It's weird, though, that we are so quick to ask God for things, ask for his hand over a situation, to kind of give a list of commands and things that we want from him. And yet, actually, we, it's so easy to forget to thank him and glorify him for the things that he has done, for who he is and what he's already done. Something that also stands out in the Lord's Prayer is specifically the repetition of your kingdom come. 
God is the king, and this is his kingdom. In seeking to glorify God, we are glorifying the king. Jesus said in John 14, verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified through the Son. Even Jesus, he was glorifying God, not only in this prayer, but with everything that he was doing. And we ought to model in that as well. Prayer almost sounds like us asking, you know, God, we pray that you would do this. We pray for that. And for me, especially as a kid, it always felt like, you know, we're just asking for things. It's not actually us. It's not really a two-way communication. But actually, the majority of the Lord's Prayer is saying, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Your will be done. Are we really meaning it when we say, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. When I think of that, I just think, God, less of me and more of you. Less of me, more of you. Whenever Jesus knew something was coming, he prayed to God. Just near the end of his life, you know, he was expecting, yeah, his death was approaching, and he went to Gethsemane. And said, this is what he said. When Je- then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane, And he said to his disciples, sit there while I go over and pray. He was God, and yet he found it so important to spend hours a day speaking with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the most powerful because he was the most prayerful. Prayer is such a powerful weapon, and it reminds me of this classic song from my childhood. And you probably know it as well. We want to see Jesus lifted high. Step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we're taking ground. Every prayer, a powerful weapon. And I want to see in Christ Church Barnet, strongholds tumbling, tumbling down and down and down. There's so much spiritual warfare happening around us at the moment. The enemy is trying harder and harder to get to us. The opposition is great. But that's only because God is doing something even greater here. But prayer is our ultimate weapon against the enemy. Um, a massive... Um, Korean pastor, Yongi Cho, says this, the devil has never been too concerned about church ritual, but he is deathly afraid of genuine prayer. When you begin your life of prayer, you are going to discover new and diverse opposition from Satan. Just as God is our king, we are his knights, and as we go into battle against the enemy, we must be looking to him for guidance, praising his name throughout. So the second point is that we, when we're praying, we should be seeking to glorify the king and be prepared to go for battle over his kingdom. Are we being thankful to God the king for the battles that are won in his name? Are we experiencing opposition from the enemy? Or is he not even bothered about what we're doing here? Maybe this week we could all be praying into areas of opposition in our own life and in the life of the church with so much that God is doing here at the moment. What thing could we be doing to bring glory to Jesus' name in such a self-centered and struggling society that we're living in, um, especially here in London? So the final thing I want us to look at is when we're praying, we should be seeking to allow it to become the cornerstone of change, not the doormat. Are we rushing into change without prioritizing prayer? Are we supporting prayerful change, especially in the church? One of the big changes that happened recently, 
uh, that you could be praying into as well is for the redecoration and kind of refurbishment of some of the moves uh, of the rooms in this building. They've all kind of been moved around. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who got involved in that, helped out. It's not just the staff team, but a lot of people this week, they gave up this week to do a load of moving, organizing, sorting, uh, cleaning, and they've done, been doing some painting as well, which has been awesome. The new office downstairs is really on its way to being completed. And actually, following that, we can move down uh, some of the, ab- the staff from upstairs into that room. And it'll be such a great uh, place to welcome people um, downstairs. The final point I like to make this morning and think about is that as a church, we want to be working towards having prayer be the very cornerstone of change, not only in ourselves, but as a congregation, in this building, as a community, and ultimately globally. Prayer is the cornerstone of change in our personal change, first of all. When we invite Jesus into our lives, prayer is at the center of change. When we start to hear God, when we have the ability to hear from the Father through direct communication, when we start to know of his love for us through what he's telling us, that's when we start to see the change. William Pennyfather, who I'm sure many of you know, was a massive uh, advocate of spending time in personal prayer. As I was reading uh, his letters, I came across some incredible quotes about him and from him in regards to prayer. And this is one of them. It would be almost impossible to convey to those who did not know personally Mr. Pennyfather any adequate conception of the value he attached to prayer. But it was not only personal prayer that he valued. It was corporate prayer as well. And this is another one that I love. He always looked upon the prayer meetings as the pulse of the parish. And when these, things, when these declined in numbers or earnestness of tone, nothing could persuade him that the work of the Lord was really advancing. As well as prayer being the cornerstone of personal change, it should be the cornerstone of church change and ultimately global change. But just on church change, as we were sorting through the prayer room, we came across a picture of the first stone brick being placed as the foundation of the Pennyfather Hall as the rest of the church was being built. I truly believe God has shown this as a prophetic prophetic image just for me, but actually for all of the church here today. I think this photo is a challenge for each of us, a challenge for us to be seeking to make prayer the cornerstone of change. Just as he was so, just as William Pennyfather was so prayerful when building this very church building, so too I think we should be aiming to make prayer at the beginning and end of everything we do. The heart of decisions that are made St. Ignatius uh, once said, work as if everything depends on you and pray as if everything depends on God. But actually, I don't know if that's strictly true because shouldn't we be expecting for God to be doing so much more than we can ever do ourselves and so much more than that? In the same way of the parable of the wise and foolish builder, when we build on a solid foundation, in this case, prayer with God, then we are like the wise man. Jesus is the rock on which the church was built, and so too should we be building everything on him, looking to him in prayer. The prayer room is now being, and I think almost nearly done, being restored, restored back to its original purpose. 
Another quote about William Pennyfather, which I love, which, talking about this church in particular, says, At Christ Church, Barnet, the response to this invitation into the prayer room was peculiarly cordial. And many have spoken of these prayer meetings in, in this room as seasons of no common privilege when the presence of the Lord was specially realized. There's so much more that can be said, but I just want to focus on that for the moment. And I want you to just picture this in your head for a moment. Imagine now what this church, this community could be like in the future if we set our vision on becoming an even more prayerful, even more alive and healthier church. One that puts God at the center, prayer as the building blocks and points back up to him in everything we do as a beacon for everyone in Barnet. So as we pray, we should be seeking to uh, allow it to become the cornerstone of change, not the doormat, the priority in different areas of our lives. So what do we need to do? As we know, Jesus said, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Why don't we be expectant in our prayers today? Let's not put a box around God. Instead, let's allow prayer to become the cornerstone of change that happens at Christ Church, covering everything we do from physical changes to events to spiritual shifts, all in prayer. Maybe for us today, that means being intentional today to prioritize prayer in different areas of our own lives. For others of us, it may mean giving greater glory to the king and his kingdom here on earth. And still for others... It may mean uh, that we want to put a greater emphasis on ensuring that prayer becomes the cornerstone of his ministry, of whatever ministry we're involved in, or just in the wider church. I'd like to encourage each of us now, to, before, we, before Andy prays, to just think about one thing. One thing this week which will help each of us to become more passionately prayerful, like Jesus. So... If you just want to think about this question for a minute. What one area of my life could I be putting a greater priority of prayer in this week? Let's spend maybe 30 seconds to a minute just thinking on ourselves, what could I be putting a greater priority of prayer in this week? Maybe it's relationships with family or friends. Maybe it's our relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's the church events or a ministry we're involved in. Maybe it's our workplace Maybe it's our personal prayer time.